You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Amen. Well, good morning, Harvest. It's very good to be here with you. Uh, My name is Carl, and uh, Pastor Paul is my dad, and it's my joy to get to open God's Word with you um, this morning. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2 is where we're going to be. We're going to spend most of our time just in three verses. And uh, as you're flipping there and kind of arriving, you may be looking at it and thinking, this is a familiar passage. I've been here lots of times before. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm praying that this passage will again be fresh for you. And maybe it's fresh for you and you've never been to this passage before. And the the Lord may use it in some uh, great and wonderful way in your life. And so... um, let me, uh, let me start by reading just a few verses, and then we'll, uh, we'll slowly get into this here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it starts off and says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. This same love, same, all this stuff is, is talking about the love for Jesus Christ. Um, Paul here is addressing the Philippian people and he's talking to those who are followers of Jesus Christ, to those who have understood that before perfect, holy, awesome God, uh, they are separated by sin, but they can be forgiven of that sin through Jesus Christ, through faith in him and have been welcomed to his presence. And so uh, we would use the term Christians. This is a passage for uh, Christians, for those who follow Christ, who love Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and, and, and that's you. So awesome. This text is definitely for you and I. Maybe you're here and you're like, well, that's not something that I've done in my life. I haven't committed my life to Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I'm, I don't, I'm just sitting here. Someone dragged me here today. This, this is totally for you too then, okay? Because it's for you to hear then um, what those in Christ are to aspire to and live for and how are we to honor God and that you may hear about the love of Jesus Christ. So here's what he says now. Verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also uh, to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read that already, I'm just like convicted by a whole bunch of things in there. Because I see my pride, I see my selfishness, I see my lack of humility, and I'm like, I don't have that going on in my life. Um, I would like to. Now, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, nope. Not convicted at all. I'm pretty humble. (laughs) Well, in the name of Jesus, you listen to what he has to say to you this morning, okay? Um, C.S. Lewis said that if anyone would like to acquire humility, the first step is to realize that one is proud. At least nothing, whatever, can be done before that. If we're going to grow in humility, we have to first understand that we have pride and that we are a proud people. And so whether you think you're super uh, filled with pride or just a little filled with pride, it's important if we're going to grow in humility uh, that we understand that we have pride. And so um, it's kind of ironic that someone would get up and teach about humility because you're listening to me. And so I, you just need to know I have pride. I confess that to all of you. I'm not perfect in this. I need to hear this message over and over again as well, all right? So just so you don't think that I've got this figured out, all right? Those who can do, those who can't teach. So I'm teaching you on this because I'd like to be able to do this, all right? So if you're like, okay, well, humility, it's a really valued thing. This sounds to be what you're saying, Carl. Yeah, it is. Um, here's a couple of passages that uh, tell us this. James 4, 6 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs fifteen thirty three 
The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. First uh, Peter 5, 6 is pretty clear. Humble yourself therefore into the mighty hand of God that at the proper time uh, he may exalt you. When Jesus stepped onto the scene of history, uh, prior to that, humility had not been a, a valued attribute in people. It was, it was seen as weakness. If you were humble, if you gave credit to others, if you didn't take glory for yourself, you were seen as weak. In fact, humility is uh, an appreciated asset, we can call it, we, we can call it a, a, an attribute of people even today in 2015, but it's not a necessary value that people have. Um, we know this because we still give praise and thanks and glory to athletes, to musicians, to um, movie stars, and, and we like loving them and, and lifting them up. And, but, but we do appreciate humility, and we know that we appreciate humility because every time you hear one of them um, kind of defer the credit, right? When they're like, the, the, the athlete, you know, I want to thank my sixth grade football coach for what he did and you're like oh that's so kind of him to give glory to that person and to take it off of himself or or that musician who gives oh you know it's the band they make it happen and and we appreciate that because they're not taking all this glory but but they don't have to do that because we still just heap our glory and our honor on them anyway and so it's not a a valued thing like it should be it's not a valued attribute like it should be now if we're all honest with our own lives um we all have this going on, this pride. And we fall into the same trap and temptation as all these athletes, as musicians, as actors. And if we're honest, we would say, well, really though, have you met me? I'm awesome. Now that was a great place for an amen. In my heart, at least I would want you to think that, all right? Because that's, what, that's how we think so often. We think we're amazing. We lift ourselves up and we put ourselves, whether it's in our mind or actively, outwardly, putting ourselves up on a pedestal, that other people would look at us and think, that person's amazing. Uh, D.L. Moody said this, God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. That's heavy. God sends no one away empty except those who are full of themselves. Would we be a people less full of ourselves this morning? Amen? Amen. All right. Well, this morning's message is entitled Humility. This is you in Christ. This is what needs to be going on in our lives. This needs to be the passion of our heart. If we are followers of Jesus, if we understand um, who he is and what he has done and the love God has showed us. And so uh, before we get into our next three verses here, which we're going to look at, would you bow your heads with me and we'll just uh, go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word. God, I thank you that you so clearly teach us about yourself, about your love for us and in spite of us, God. So often we desire to get glory and to steal the glory and the honor and the praise and respect that is deserving only of you. And Lord, in areas of my life and our lives, Lord, that we have not noticed this, I pray that you would reveal it by your spirit this morning. You would help us to see, Lord, how we have been taking your glory, Lord, how we have been in pride lifting ourselves up. And God, you would give us a greater glimpse of who you are and what you have done and your great mercy and grace and love, and that would cause us to respond in lives of humility that you bless and that you use. But we need you to do this, Lord. I need you to do this. Cause my words to fall away on deaf ears, Lord, and would your word move powerfully by your spirit. God, please, would you do this? In Jesus' name, God's people said, 
Amen. Amen. All right. Let's look at uh, our first verse here this morning. Verse three. It says this, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Those words that we're reading there, they're all kind of internal words, this selfish ambition, this conceit, humility, counting others, the significance, those are all uh, mental inside of our head things. And so if you like down to write down sermon points, you can write this down. This is point number one. Humility begins with how I think. Humility begins with how I think. That phrase, selfish ambition, or your Bible might say rivalry, it has to do with uh, what John MacArthur calls a persistent seeking of personal advantage and gain regardless of its effects on others. That's what selfish ambition is. You want to put you forward more so you get more praise and you don't care about others. Now, we don't usually say things like that. We wouldn't describe ourselves, but, but that's what we do so often. In fact, for the Philippian people, this was such an issue that Paul had to address this specifically to some in Philippians 1.17. You don't have to flip there now. You can read it later. But there are some people who were actually using the preaching of the gospel for this, that they would somehow be viewed as, as these great evangelists and articulators of the gospel so that they would get praised. Like we read that, hopefully you hear about that and you're like, that seems so backwards and messed up that they would try to use the grace and love of Jesus for their own gain. But that's what they were doing. And there's all sorts of things that you and I do for our own gain that maybe we don't even really recognize that we are doing. Paul says, do nothing. Nothing is a big, overarching, all-encompassing. He is laying down a huge bar here for us to meet up to. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. That word conceit literally means empty glory. I don't know if you've ever met someone who you've thought, you know, that person's pretty conceited. And the reason you think that they're conceited is because they walk around thinking so highly of themselves, but you've gotten to know them just enough to know that it's all on the surface. It's empty glory. It's not actually deserved praise. But so often, this is what we do. And, and maybe no one would describe you as conceited. Maybe they'd actually describe you as humble. But it's what's in your heart and how you're thinking about yourself and putting yourself forward and the things that you're saying that others would view you in such a certain way. And the role that others play in humility is massive. So often, we want people to look at us in a certain way or treat us in a certain way. And pride is fighting deep within us. Uh, humility... Um, it's important that you know this, is not self-deprecating. It's not thinking less of yourself in a term of value, but thinking less of yourself in a term of time. Does that make sense to everybody? It's not that you're valuing yourself less, decreasing your value. God values you highly, massively, so much so that because of sin, he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. You don't do that for people that you like. You do that for people that you love. God loves you. He values you so much that he would send his son who died on a cross, rose from the dead. So if you believe in him, you can have life. God loves you, okay? So don't hate yourself, but you can hate your sin. God calls us over and over in scripture to uh, not be okay with our sin. We need to hate our sin, but not hate ourselves. And so uh, God's calling us to not decrease the value that we put on ourselves, but decrease the amount of time that we spend thinking and consumed obsessing about self. And so this passage says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. That word count, it's really important. You should underline that. Maybe write a little note somewhere. The word value could also be used there. And I really like that. 
value others. It's not about what people are, but about how we value them. Count them, consider them, value them as more significant than yourself. The best example of this is Jesus. He considers us. He values us as more significant than we really are. We are sinners separated from him. But in his grace and his mercy, he he considers our need. He values us in such a way that he would come to earth and die on a cross that we can have life. That's an awesome thing that he would so do this for us. Count others more significant than ourselves. This is why humility has to start in how we think, but it's because it's really hard to do this because we value ourselves. We elevate ourselves uh, so much. We have a lot of uh, self-significance going on. I know that's true in my life. Massive amounts of self-significance. And this is nowhere more clearly evident in my life than when I'm driving. I don't know about you. I don't know where your place of massive self-significance is, but when I'm driving, I, I think highly of myself. Not that I'm an amazing driver, but that like, how dare you get in this lane in front of me? How dare you? Whatever it is. So uh, it was in the springtime and I was on my way to work and uh, I was coming up to this light and it turned yellow and then turned red. And so I knew I wasn't going to make it through and I was kind of frustrated, but I kind of pulled up to the light and I stopped and I sat there and in my heart, um, I didn't articulate this, but what my heart was saying was like, how dare the parking authority give me a red light? Like, don't you know I have important time and you are wasting it? Like, and so as I'm sitting there, I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then I'm remembering, I've gotten an advanced green here before. How many of you like advanced greens? We feel so special and blessed when we get those, right? So I'm like, oh, if I got an advanced green, that would be so fantastic. Parking authority people, that would be so good. And remember, no one can hear me. I'm not actually saying this, but this is what's going on in my head and in my heart. And so I'm sitting there and then the light turns just regular green, not advanced green. So a little bit frustrated. I do that thing you're supposed to do where you kind of pull out into the intersection just a little bit and I wait. And so I want you to picture this scene with me. So I'm in the left turn lane. All right. And then there's two lanes of oncoming traffic and then a, a, a left turn lane going the opposite way in front of me. And so these two lanes over here, the far left one just flows through nicely, just like they're supposed to, just like you see on TV and in the movies, just how you dream it happens. They all go through. But then that, that middle lane there, there's a van there and it just sits there. And then I'm sitting here and I like, I want to go, but I'm like, do I, do I go? Cause you know, like if I go and then that person goes with the, we'll have an accident and then it's my fault. Or if I go and the person behind them decides to scoot around them, cause they're obviously in such a rush as well. And they run into me, it's going to be this big disaster. And so I'm sitting there for what feels like an eternity. And I actually say audibly out loud in my car, come on. At about that exact moment, the person in the car looks up from whatever they're doing, which is obviously much more important than me and my time, and takes their foot off the brake and gently puts it on the accelerator as they notice the light's green and they pull through the intersection. And as they come and go beside me, I look in the van and I realize I know this person. (laughs) And immediately my heart is struck with massive amounts of self-significance and how little I cared about this person, how not patient or caring or considerate or valuing of them I was at all. We do this, right? Do you wanna know who the person was? It was my senior pastor's wife. (laughs) 
So I, I went to the church and I shared it with, them, with him and he called her immediately and we've had good laughs about it since. But it was such a great example to myself of how often I think so highly of myself. We think ourselves so significant all of the time and what it causes us to, in our thinking, then in our actions, we're not patient, we're not gentle, we're not kind. We don't do that because we think so significantly of ourselves. Now here's the problem with that. If you think you are so significant, if I am lifting myself as most significant and no one else is as significant as me, then really what I'm doing is saying I'm the most significant person in the entire world. Now I bet we could go to the parking lot and none of you have that bumper sticker on the back of your car right now. Most significant person in the whole world. Because we, we, we don't audibly say that, right? But it's how we think so often. And so if this is going to change, if we're going to get this out of our lives, if we're going to start to live out Christ's example of humility and think humbly, we have to have a renewal of the mind. And so I wrote down a couple things. You can write these two things down too if you want. If we're going to think uh, humility, uh, if it's going to start with how we think, then here's what's going to have to happen. Um, less me thoughts. Less me thoughts. You're like, what's a me thought? Let me explain. A me thought is a thought that's all about you. We do this. Think about how much in a given day do you have me thoughts? Much of our quiet time is consumed with me thoughts. How that person will hear what I'm about to say. What they think of me. How will they consider me? We think things like, how much time do I have in my day to spend doing what I want to do? What am I going to do after work? Where am I going to sit and relax? I hope today when I get home, the kids understand how significant I am and let me rest because they didn't understand how significant I was yesterday when I got home. How much money I will have to buy that thing for me. When the kids are gone, I'll finally be able to... It's all this me thoughts. And if we're going to begin to live humbly interacting with the people around us, doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, counting others more significant, it's going to start with getting rid of the me thoughts. Christ is the perfect example for us in this. Look at verse uh, 6 with me, okay? So this is carrying on. Christ Jesus, at the end of verse 5, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if there's no room for me thoughts, doing nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility counting, this is what Jesus did. You're like, that's really heavy, Carl. No more me thoughts. This is, what, this is what God's word is calling us to. And this isn't something that's going to be easy. It's going to be a, a work that he does in our lives and in our hearts. But it's going to start in our mind. Paul here, he knows. He knows that this can be discouraging for us. And so in, in Philippians 3.14, he says, I press on towards the goal, the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He knows that this is difficult. And he's like, listen, the Lord blesses this. When you value others, the significance of others more and care for them and yourself less, God blesses that. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Obey his commandment. Obey his commandment and count others more significant than yourselves. Be conscious of your me thoughts. And then here's the second thing. Uh, think significance of others more. Think significance of others more. How often... Have I not given someone a second chance? Because if I'm honest, I never really gave them a first chance. 
I didn't consider them, I didn't count them significant enough for me to care about them in that first degree that they ever got a second opportunity with me. Because in my self-significance, I thought that I was better than them. If we're going to say we are the most significant people in the whole world, um, there's going to be a big problem, especially as we begin to understand more and more who God is and what he has done and his love for us. We're going to need to count. We're going to need to value. We're going to need to consider others more significant than ourselves and grow in humility. And this starts in our minds. It starts in our minds. So look at verse 3 again with me. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. This is all in the mind. Now this next verse is then about the actions that come from our life. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So this is kind of the application of the mind. When the mind starts thinking the right way, the actions will start working the right way. So here's point number two. Humility is proven by how I live. Humility is proven by how I live. If we're changing our mind, it will change our heart, which will change our actions. And this attitude has to start to change first. And then once that happens, it'll be proven with how we live. Let each of you look not only to his own interest. That word look, you can underline that. It's a very intentional word. It's not an accidental thing. It's not a by chance thing. It's a, an active, there has to be some effort put towards this looking, looking, intentional going after this. There's a goal, there's a focus, there's an aim, there's a direction. If you think you can walk out of here and just like, you know what, God, please make me humble and make me count others more significant. It doesn't, we can ask God to do that and he will do that work in our hearts, but, but we have responsibility in this too. And are we walking out of here and in our sin thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to? Or are we gonna walk out of here and even though we're battling this inside, we're actually going to, on the outside, begin to care for people and love them and hopefully um, seek to help them and care for them, looking to the interests of others. This word interest there, see that word interest? It appears twice. In the original text, it's actually not there. This is what uh, scholars and translators call a textual filler. And um, it's a word that they had to put there because otherwise it wouldn't make sense when you translate it into our language. The best, most accurate translation of this would be, let each of you look not only to his own, but also to the of others. Now, if we just read that statement like blindly to you, you'd be like, you're missing some stuff there, all right? Now, I don't know if when Paul actually penned this letter to the Philippians, he actually like wrote like a little line, like a little, you know, fill in the blank here kind of thing. You can't have that in the Bible. You can't have fill in the blanks in the Bible. So the, the scholars believe, they're like, we need a word that's as vague as a, as a line. Let each of you look not only to his own, what do you look to? But look to that of others. So it's not needs. Notice that Paul doesn't say needs. He's not as specific to say the needs of others. This time of year, we do, I think, a pretty good job as a North American church of trying to care for the needs and the needy people in our world at this time of year. Paul's not being as specific as that. That would be like step one. He's like, no, 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 we're way further down the road than that. Let each of us look not only to his health, finances, happiness, family, work situation, personal issues, educational success, sleep, but also to the health, finances, happiness, family, work situation, personal issues, educational success, sleep of others. This isn't just a needs thing. It's a complete looking to others, caring for them, looking to their interests. I love this. Look not only to your own. Think about this. Look not only to your own. What is it you look to? What is the thing in your life that you 
are so concerned about. But be concerned about that in the lives of others. Look not only to your own, but also to the of others. It's not about what your church, what your family, what your friends, what your kids, what your job, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for them. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let's just start in this building, okay? Let's just start there. Step one. How different would this church be, would my church be, if we did this? If we constantly strive to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others? For the most part, you probably would have parked at the back of the parking lot today when you came in because you were looking to the interest of others and you wanted them to have that primo nice, those like three spots you guys have out there. Those are fantastic spots, all right? Because you'd want somebody else to get those. You're not rushing to church to get that best parking spot. You're not hustling in here to get that seat that you always want, that you always got to sit in because you're looking to the interests of others. And so you're willing to give your seat. You're willing to move somewhere else. You're willing to serve in different capacities in the church because you want others to come and be blessed. And so you're willing to stay late and help clean up. You're willing to come early and greet and usher and work in Harvest Kids and do all sorts of things like that because you're looking not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. How different would church be if we did this, right? And this is what God's calling us to. Look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, here's the thing. The reason why we don't do this is because of this filthy, dirty word that we hate, but we all fall into, and that's the word entitlement. Entitlement. Paul, uh, John Piper uh, says that humility is the opposite of entitlement. Humility is the opposite of entitlement. Humility takes nothing. Entitlement wants everything. If I'm just honest, that's me a lot of the time. Even, even in my heart, maybe I can fake it on the outside a lot of the time, but I want people to think highly of me. I want people to think I'm brilliant. I want people to like what I have to say. I want people to be my friends. I want people to risk all these things. It's, it's all me. It's all I. And we do this. We do this so often. You cannot be filled with humility when you're full of pride. Isn't that a brilliant statement? See, even the problem is I, that's my statement. I came up with that. And see, that's my pride that would say that there, even as a joke. But that's how we think, right? We, we try and come up with some catchy things so that people will like us more. They're like, oh, I'm going to tweet that thing that Pastor Carl said today. No, don't do that, okay? I don't want that. But, but that's how we act all the time. We want people to look at us. We want people to focus their attention on us. But we fail and do that because of our own self-significance. We're counting ourselves more significant than others, and that's a problem. And here... Paul says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Maybe right now you're sitting there and you're like, seriously, I didn't know how much I looked to my own interests. And you're like, Carl, really? I need to look more to the interests of others? Yeah, that's what God's word is calling us to. My dad was a fantastic example of this for me as I was growing up, and I don't want you to think by any means that he's perfect. Um, but I know that this was something in looking to the interests of others that he was, that God was teaching my dad as I was growing up even. And I think back to growing up and I was a really sporty kid. And, uh, I would, when he would come home from work, I would always ask him like, can we throw a baseball around? Can we shoot basketballs? Can we play football? Can we like, I'll stand in net. You can take shots on me. I always wanted to play stuff. And I think back over my childhood and I'm sure that it happened because I know my dad wasn't that perfect, but I can't think of a, a single time when he said no. 
I can, I can only remember, I only have good memories of that, of him coming home and me asking him to do these things and us doing them. Now, I, I do not believe for one second that that happened every day. But that was something that I, did my dad want to do that every day? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a parent of three children under the age of seven. I got to tell you, there's stuff that I come home and they want to do. I'm like, no, I do not want to do that. What do you mean go on a five kilometer bike ride that I'm going to have to carry your bike home from? What do you mean get on the floor and tickle you for an hour until dinner time, then wrestle for another 20 minutes before I put you to bed? I don't got energy for that. And this is my heart. This is what, what I say inside. But, but God's word is calling us to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so practically in our homes, how can we do this? When our kids ask us to get down on the floor and play and all you want to do is crash on the couch, when your spouse wants you to go for a walk with you and all you want to do is just sit alone and read or watch TV. When that task at your house that you know that other person is going to get to eventually is right there, look not only to your own interests, look not only to my own interests, but also to the interests of others. Is my attitude always right when I go for a bike ride with my kids? No. When I'm tickling them, no. When I'm playing Lego or whatever it is, even yesterday my daughter was like, can we play Minnie Mouse motorcycle. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But I'm preaching on humility tomorrow, so I guess I have to play this with you right now. And it's not something that comes supernaturally for us, but it's something that the Lord's doing this work in my heart and convicting and challenging me. And, and are we always going to be able to do it? No. But is it something that we're striving to? Hopefully, as our, change, our mind is changing, it will be proven then with how we live, but we need God's help. And so if we're going to have humility proven in our lives, I wrote down two more things that, that we need to be doing. You can write these down. The first one is you've got to pray for humility. You've got to pray for humility. Now, humility is not on the top of a lot of people's prayer lists. And it's not there because for the most part, we don't think that we need it. We don't think that we need humility because I'm humble enough, so I don't need to pray for it. But no, no, we need it. And we need God's help because we can't do it on our own. We can't fake it on our own. We need God's help. Now, I know that sometimes I don't want to pray for humility because I know that often that the Lord, in my life at least, he has taught me humility through humiliation. Nothing more humbling than looking foolish. Thinking so highly of yourself only to moments later get a little dose of reality. So it's not something that we really want to have happening in our lives, but it's something that we need. And so I would commend to you to pray for humility. And then the second thing I would have you do is just do it. Just start, start doing it. Start counting others more significant. And you're like, well, isn't that just an outward behavioral change? Yeah, but you're, you're asking God to change your heart. And so you got to do these in conjunction with each other. They have to be going together. And if you go through a period of time and you're like, nothing seems to be changing in my heart and my mind. I'm still bitter about significance of others. Well, then you have a problem and we need to talk more about this. But, but from the get-go, it's like, ask God, do this work in my heart. And I'm going to do everything I can in my flesh to seek to honor you with this too. And I'm going to just go for this, Lord, and seek to honor you and bring you glory in this. Paul says, look in verse uh, Philippians 2.17 here. He says, he's so about just doing this. He says, even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with it. I don't know about you, but the whole idea of being poured out doesn't sound a whole lot of fun to me. That's sometimes how I feel when by the time I get the kids into bed, I'm like, I'm so like poured out from the end of the day. Paul here, he's like, I'm willing to do that completely, probably to the point of death for the faith and the increasing love of Jesus in the lives of the people he was doing ministry for. And he says that he does it, look at what he says there, with joy. 
He's excited about this. He's like, this is awesome. I'm so pumped on this. And we look at that and we're like, no, no, thanks. I don't, and this, this is why we need God to do this work in us. We need to ask him, God, please do this. Make my life marked with humility. When our lives are increasingly marked with genuine service and care for others, humility will be proven in how we live. Now, this isn't a natural thing for us because of sin. Because of sin, we want to give glory to ourselves. We want to focus on ourselves. We are prideful and self-seeking. And apart from Jesus, we can't have victory on this. And so we need his help. And so look at verse 5 here. It says, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The only way this is possible, the only way we can think like this, act like this, live this out, uh, accomplish this, is in Christ Jesus. We can't do it on our own. So uh, point number three, humility is impossible without Jesus. Humility is impossible without Jesus. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. And look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We can't do this on our own. This is what Jesus did, verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. He took the death we deserved. He paid the price we deserve to pay. Our punishment him in our place. And this should be our minds in Christ Jesus, knowing that he has done this and done it perfectly for us. There's no room for self-promoting selfie, trying to humble brag about how great you are at your job or at golf or as a parent. There's no room for caring more about your lawn and how much nicer it looks than your neighbors, about how clean and fancy your car is. There's no room for a Facebook comment that puts all the attention onto yourself when you're growing in humility. None of this happens when we get to the foot of the cross. In fact, nobody is sitting at the foot of the cross thinking about how amazing they are. It doesn't happen. And if we're honest, what needs to happen in our life is less mere-looking and more cross-gazing. Less looking and thinking about self and more focusing on Jesus Christ. Pride is so ugly and we don't like it, but there's victory. It's possible. Humility is possible in Jesus Christ. Paul Tripp, he wrote, he wrote this. We all know it. We've all seen it. We've all been uncomfortable with it and we've all done it. The bottom line is this. Proud people tend to talk about themselves a lot. Proud people tend to like their opinions more than the opinions of others. Proud people think their stories are in, more interesting and engaging than others. Proud people think they know and understand more than others. Proud people think they've earned the right to be heard. Proud people think they have glory to offer. Proud people, because they're basically proud of what they know and what they have done, talk a lot about both. Proud people don't reference for weakness. Proud people don't talk a lot about failure. Proud people don't confess sin. So proud people are better at putting the spotlight on themselves than on shining the light of their stories and opinions on the glory and undeserved grace of God. We can't stop this on our own. We need God to do this. We need his grace. We need him. We need to look at him. See, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Look, at, look with me here. Verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here's a question for you. When that day comes, will you be put onto your knees, or will you already be on your knees? Will humility be an increasing and growing thing that's going on in your life because you're already looking at Jesus? Or will you really for the first time be gazing at him and being overwhelmed, just drop on your face? 
Because God's word is telling us now that in this lifetime, now we need to be walking in this humility. And this happens when we look and love our Savior, when we look at him, when we understand that we can have this mind among yourselves, verse 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 makes this so clear. I love this. It says, we all with unveiled face behold the glory of God and are transformed. The more you understand who God is and what he has done, it changes your life. The more you get your eyes on him, your love fixed on him, your gaze rooted on Jesus Christ, the author, perfecter, and finisher of your faith, your only hope, the only way that you can have salvation, your life changes. You get less about yourself because you're not looking in the mirror and you're looking at the cross. As followers of Jesus Christ, Christians, we need to hear the gospel every day, over and over and over and over and over. I could say it like 20 more times and still not say it enough times. We need to hear the gospel all the time because we need to be reminded of the love of Jesus and his significance. And when that happens, we get a proper understanding of our significance, not in a discouraging way, but in a loving way because we know that he has loved us. And then it causes humility in the lives of the people around us and, and humility in our own life. And, and we just begin to gaze and look at God and, and wonder and love and honor to him and less to ourselves. This needs to happen if we are in Christ. And it's possible with Jesus. It's possible with him. Now, many of you in the room right now, even you're thinking, you know what? I get that. I understand God is holy and deserving of all glory and praise. And I want this. Amen. Amen. Strive for it. Strive for it in the name of Jesus. May he be changing the way that you think, resulting in a change in the way that you act, all rooted and founded authentically in the work of Jesus Christ and how you understand that. May you gaze at Jesus Christ more and more and may he get more glory from your life. We're gonna sing a song in just a minute that is, is all about the glory of God. And we need to do this kind of thing as often as we can so that our hearts and our minds aren't about self but are on God that he may get glory from our lives. Will you bow your heads with me uh, right now? And maybe right now as the worship team's coming out before the Lord, you need to just take a second and you need to just confess your a lack of humility. You need to confess pride before God. How often you have thought yourselves more significant than you should. And come before him and apologize and say I'm sorry, and give him the glory and the honor and the praise that he deserves. I know I need to do this often. Come before God and admit pride and ask him to renew your mind that he may be glorified as you increase in humility. God, I confess, we confess right now how often your glory and care for the things that you care about are not our motivation for living as we are so often obsessed with self. God, I pray that you would help us. You would help me to see uh, your greatness and your significance and your holiness. And it would increase in me uh, in humility. And Lord, there would be a greater thankfulness and love growing in me and significance of others and value of others and care for others. Lord, less of me and more of you. All possible through your son, Jesus Christ, the perfect example for us. Help us to know and understand the work of Jesus in such a great and awesome way that by your spirit, it changes our lives. God, we can't do this on our own, but we thank you, Lord, that you offer it and you do this work in us. 
please would you do this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.